0: Blog Talk Radio. <whistles>
1: bricks at the finish line, and the Indy 500 awakens. Marching bands, a state's own anthem, and then a nation's. 33 open-wheel race cars lined up in 11 rows, idling, revving, waiting, and then the most famous starting call in all of American sports, ladies and gentlemen. Start your engines! The building shudders as engines rumble. Spectators rise in full throat. The sounds are like nowhere else in sports. A heavy metal symphony of speed. For 200 laps in nearly three hours, drivers dive into turns and uncoil on straightaways. Tension is unrelenting. The whine of engines remorseless gasoline alley is the nerve center pit crews work in a blur the finish comes in a flash of late afternoon color sometimes it is almost too close to call checkered flags drop one driver joins an exclusive club a century's worth of racing legends a life has changed Memories are made, so keep your eyes closed now and see a champion roll into victory lane. See the trophy, see the milk, feel the joy.
2: Here we are, victory lane, man, we did it!
1: Keep your ear to the bricks and count the days until August 23rd when the brickyard roars to life again.
2: All right, and welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. This is our special uh, annual Field of 33, standing by The Balance Green. We're going to get to them in just a second. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from WSPT up in South Bend. And also Tyson Lautenschlager joins us again this year to help us break down the Field of 33. Obviously, our IndyCar contributor up in Canada. We'll talk a little bit about how uh, everything's kind of changed up there and how... Things are going with the IndyCar scene uh, in Canada. But, you know, just a few weeks ago, we thought we were going to be able to have 50% of of the fans, and then it didn't happen. Thanks to our our friends out at Fox 59 for giving us this, and we'll be right back right after this.
1: We are talking to IMS President Doug Bowles about this big decision today. Fox 59 sports anchor Chris Hagan joins us live from the track right now with a look at what the IMS president is telling us about today's decision. Hey, Chris.
3: Hey there, Dan. Yeah, his title is president, but I call him Mr. IMS. Nobody interacts more with the fans than Doug Bowles. And Doug, it's going to be a different Indy 500, not an easy decision to make, but one we make here with less than three weeks until we take the green flag.
4: Yeah, you know, one word for me, it's just a heartbreaking, uh, just heartbroken day. You know, I know how important this event is to fans and it's fans that have made this event. So to make this decision today is really tough on them. It's certainly uh, tough on us. But I think where we are today with the metrics in the community, It's the right decision going forward. We'll get this race
3: in and start focusing on 2021. When you think about what Roger had said previously about wanting to make sure this race goes off with fans, I know you're hearing a lot of that, but when the statement was made, we couldn't have foreseen the things that would have transpired since then until now, could we? No,
4: and and I think Roger's exactly right, and I think I even said on the heels of that statement that an Indianapolis 500 with fans isn't an Indianapolis 500 as we know it, and that's certainly what we've got here today. But when you started looking at really the bigger picture, making sure that the IndyCar series and the teams were healthy so we can roll into 2021 and have a successful 2021, it's really important that we get the Indianapolis 500 in this year. And so we'll execute it. Hopefully fans will get an opportunity to listen to it on the radio, watch it on TV, have an opportunity to celebrate, and then we'll uh, look forward to having them here in 2021.
3: Now, on a Twitter poll, I posted more than 70% of the folks responding say it's more important to have the 500 than to have the 500 with fans. At the end of the day, is that what the thinking was? We can't go a year without having this race?
4: Well, I think, like I said, it's just really important to, to the IndyCar teams and otherwise. And, you know, it's a, it's a difficult decision. I mean, I, emotionally, I'd say you can't have it without the fans. It just is not what it's mm-hmm. about. But then when you step back and look about what's best for the long term, for the series, for the speedway, and frankly for our fans, because we want it to be a healthy event, is to have the race this year without fans.
3: And we'll be hitting the track next week with practice. I guess now all the efforts will be making it as enjoyable as possible for the folks who won't be able to get in.
4: Yeah, that and taking down all the things. As you can see, I mean, we were setting right. up even as late as yesterday afternoon hoping that we could have fans here. So we got a, a lot of work to take down today now instead of on August 24th like we'd hoped.
3: Well, Doug, I'm able-bodied. Let's get to work here. you we'll got take it. I'm ready. Day. Let's go. He's Doug Bowles, the face of the IMS, and looking forward to the 500 in less than three weeks. Let's throw it back to you guys.
2: All right, welcome back to The Balance. Of course, that was Chris Hagan, friend of the show, Fox 6.9 local here in Indianapolis talking with President of Doug Bowles. And, you know, he absolutely nailed it. Uh, Doug Bowles is the face. You can't go anywhere in the track at any time, at any point in the day and not see uh, Doug Bowles interacting with fans. But joining us now, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, and Tyson Lotziger, our IndyCar contributor from Canada. Let's start with you, Matt. Uh, welcome to the Field of 33. We're ready to get things going.
5: Yeah, certainly. Obviously, the situation, it's a little bit different, but, hey, it's still the Indy 500. And uh, I'm curious to see uh, if this is a race that follows the recent history of races ending in zero, where it's been a coronation of a dominant performance. I mean, we had, for instance, Billy Arnold in 1930 leading 198 of 200 laps. Uh, Al Unser Sr. leading 190 of 200 in 1970. Uh, Johnny Rutherford leading half the race in 1980 with the Chaparral. Uh, Juan Montoya leading three quarters of the race in 2000 and Dario Franchitti leading three quarters of the race in 2010 and all going on to win. Of course, though, we did have that dramatic duel between Jim Rathman and Roger Ward in 1960. And of course we had the battle between Ari Leindyke and Bobby Ray Hall in 1990. So it could be a mixed bag as far as what we see here, but, uh, I have to say, Ty, uh, right now, if I had to look into my crystal ball right now, this is a tailor-made situation for domination by one Scott Dixon coming up tomorrow.
2: Tyson, uh, welcome back to The Balance. It's been a while. Uh, uh, Good to catch up with you and good to have you on this morning. And certainly want to talk with you a little bit about IndyCar and Toronto and not being at IndyCar, uh, IndyCar not being in Toronto this year, and obviously uh, James Hinchcliffe. And just really kind of talk with us a little bit about, how things are different, or the same, or as they are in the in the lower in the states here uh, in Canada with this uh, virus and IndyCar and how things
6: are approached. Well, things are uh, obviously very different. Um, first, thanks uh, again, Tom, for having me. Always uh, love doing this special every year. Um, yep. Yeah, we we don't get our IndyCar show here in Toronto this year, which is very disappointing. It was. Uh, kind of foreseen, you know, it wasn't a big shock when, when they uh, canceled it, it was originally just postponed. And then um, back a a few months ago, they they finally pulled the plug on it altogether, canceling the event. And it was, it was kind of a a bit of a long term coming. Uh, Toronto had really, the city of Toronto had really cracked down on events. Uh, Everything was being canceled. Every major event in the city of Toronto going up until basically now had been canceled. The, uh, the Canadian national exhibition, the CNE, which is a big event in Toronto every year uh, happens around this time, uh, late August going into Labor Day weekend, kind of the end of summer event. it was canceled uh, long before the uh, the IndyCar race was canceled. So we kind of knew that was not going to happen this year, but I, I think there is hopefully still some excitement. I've had uh, even a lot of people coming up to me Um at my workplace, for people that know me, um, that know I'm a big IndyCar fan, that know the 500 is this weekend. I think there's a lot of interest in the fact that James Hinchcliffe is in a pretty good uh, pretty good car this weekend. Um, you know, obviously driving for Andretti Autosport in, in a limited, um, limited ride. He's shown a lot of speed so far this weekend. Andretti has shown a lot of speed with, uh, with Marco winning the pole uh marco won the pole he's been fast in practice ryan hunter ray has been fast in practice uh, as has hinchcliffe so i think there is a lot of excitement going into uh into this race even though it is going to look very different
1: i'll tell you
2: what it's been a great showing uh this month of practice and qualification with uh andretti and obviously a uh, hinchcliffe uh starting in in, in uh the sixth slot in row two. Uh, it, it, again, yeah, uh, limited ride, but it's good to see him back at the Indianapolis 500. And, you know, it couldn't have happened to a, a nicer guy. Matt, let's kind of uh, dive into these, these storylines and. I do want to get into the field of 33, but I do want to touch base on some of the big storylines. Obviously, one of the biggest storylines is Marco Andretti uh, getting the pole uh, at the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500, and really just kind of pushing out the edge of Scott Dixon. Uh, you know, I was talking yesterday. I said that's a story. That's a good. St- that's a feel-good story for the Andretti's because it's been a while, and, and it's almost expected that an Andretti is going to be on a pole and/or victory lane. But if he was to win from pole uh, and being in an Andretti, I think that would be an even bigger story. Uh, Matt, and then we'll get your thoughts, Tyson, and we'll get into the, final, the the role of 33. I don't know how long we got you for, Tyson. So if you got to drop off, you can just say you got to go. But um, uh, Matthew, uh, the Marco Andretti story, what say you?
5: Well, it's a big story. Obviously, it gets the media attention. Obviously, and Andretti being on the pole at Indy is a big deal because it hasn't happened since 1987. And that is the big name that people think of when you think of auto racing. You think of Foyt, Petty, or Andretti right off the bat. In fact, uh, not only is Marco on the pole, but you have in the two-seater Mario Andretti, and Michael's going to be the passenger uh, coming up tomorrow as well. So a lot of things coming up there. I'm... I hate to say the word because I know a lot of people want to see Marco do it, but I'm skeptical as to how realistic of a chance he actually has to win this race.
2: Tyson, what are your thoughts on Marco Andretti getting the pole for the 104th running of the Indianapolis
6: 500? I, I have to agree. I really don't see this being the year of the Andretti curse is officially broken. I, uh, I think, you know, Marco, he shows speed here every year at Indy. Um, is always fast, but this is kind of really the one place that we see Mark Wendretti being a real factor. Um, if you look at the last probably, honestly, six, seven years running, Mark Wendretti hasn't been a winning contender at many tracks, if any. I, I really, like, I think he's got a lot of speed here, I, and he has been the fastest over, over the practice sessions uh, in qualifying. I don't think he's going to get the win. I think you look at a guy like Scott Dixon, I think this may be his year to finally get a second Indy 500 under his belt. Uh, he's, he's been very fast so far. And I think this is going to be the kind of race that is going to reward having that conditioning and that strength. And Scott Dixon has been so strong all year long already. It's been a, a short IndyCar season so far, but we've been seeing win after win. And uh, I, I really think Dixon is going to be the guy to beat uh, tomorrow, even though the Andretti cars have been so strong.
4: You know,
2: when I was out at the track yesterday at Car Day, and i tell you what, it, how amazing it was to see just fans all around the track, sitting in their lawn chairs, sitting in the parking lot. The parking lots were full. The, the town of Speedway was full. I tell you what, if you did not know that the that, that, that fans couldn't be in there, that the, the amount of traffic and the amount of stuff that goes on outside the track look very normal, look very normal. And I tell you what, we'll be down there tomorrow, uh, going to set up camp there in one of the outside parking lots there. And, and the good thing about it is if you position yourself right around the track, somewhere around the track, the big video monitors you can see, uh, they still got the uh, – uh, Dave Claverall uh, and, and Bob Jenkins are still doing the uh, – um, public address system and so you can hear all of that and they've got the music playing uh and they've got it pumped out toward the gate so it is really really cool and and that gives you an idea how special that the Indianapolis uh, 500 is and and you know to not have fans it, it it's it's sad but it's it's an unfortunate thing that has to happen uh Matthew Potto Award gets the fastest in practice yesterday at Carb Day uh it looks like he's got a pretty good ride with McLaren
5: well, it's a, it's a sign that maybe the Chevys have a chance. The only question in my mind, and, Ty, I'd love to have your take on this, is Ryan SvK the guy to get them there? Keep in mind he's only 19. Now, granted, Marco Andretti almost won this race as a 19-year-old in 2006, but I just don't see uh, him being the contender. Uh, if a Chevy's going to win it, uh, I think the only guys that realistically have a shot to get there our uh, new garden and carpenter. And honestly, I'm starting to wonder if Carpenter's the guy at this point. But I think the key thing in the race, and we'll talk about this we go through the field, is how the Chevys are performing in the first 50 laps. If you look at them and you see there is a plus sign next to their name as far as gaining positions, they may have a chance. But if they are flatlining or they're staying near the back or losing positions, I have to say right now, it's probably going to be a Honda that wins the race uh, coming up tomorrow.
2: Tyson, what are your thoughts on looking. Oh,
6: go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm looking more at a a Honda as well. I think they've just got, they've shown a lot more speed so far. We haven't seen the the Chevys really up there. Penske's been way in the back uh, all, um, you know, since we've started practicing and I'm sure Chevy is going to pick it up. I'm sure Penske is going to pick it up and they will get better and they will get stronger as the, as the race goes on. But I really do see this as kind of a, Uh, Honda stomping ground, at least uh, as far as tomorrow, with how fast these and cars have been, with how fast Scott Dixon has been, I I think it's going to be one of them that gets it done. I don't think uh, an Ed Carpenter um, car is going to win this race, Um, but I think if if we do have an Ed Carpenter car win this race, it, it probably will be the boss man himself.
2: Well, another thing to note that I noticed uh, also, uh, speaking of Boston, man, Roger Penske will not be on pit lane for the first time in many, many years at Indianapolis 500, and I think a lot of that is perception,
5: Matthew. Would you agree? Yeah, but that's not the reason they're not being competitive right now. That, I mean, Tim Sindrick has proven throughout his career that he is just as effective and capable of a manager as Roger Penske is. So I don't think you can blame Tim Sindrick uh, for the lack of performance uh, so far this month
2: Well guys let's get into it. our field of 33 uh, We've got our, our, our field set and ready to go um, So we'll just start in row 11 And we'll just kind of work our way backwards and back in And we'll start with Ben Haley uh, And Tyson we'll get your thoughts on him uh, Ben Haley His uh, four lap average was 222.917 uh, on uh, qualification day
6: Well I think it's, it's- Simple to know this, the Dragon Speed team, this is a deal that came together pretty last minute. We saw them a few times last year. Um, they'd hoped to be at Texas for the uh, for the opening race. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, and really the, the, the Dragon Speed deal, it came together, I think within probably a, a week before practice started. We finally knew that they, uh, I think they were the last team to really say that they would be joining this field of 33. So to see them at the back of the grid, not a surprise. Uh, I think the the goal for that team and for Ben Hanley is really to just survive the race, learn what your car's got, and maybe you can, you know, depending on what kind of race we see, if we see a wreckfest, fest, which I don't think we will, uh, I think we'll see a probably clean race. And if we do see a clean race, you know, hopefully you, you get out of there with the top 20, 25 finish.
2: Matt, let's uh, continue with row 11, 30-second starting spot at kind of a late late arrival to the uh, grid this year or to the uh 500 team and that's jr hillebrand not his four lap average was 226.341 he's in a chevy 67
5: yeah unfortunately yeah he had all kinds of trouble on his qualifying run as his teammate sage karen with handling and i think you saw that last year as well when they struggled for pace and they just barely got in to the field a year ago uh don't know what to expect uh I don't know if you're going to see an aggressive uh, performance uh, either from Jr. or Sage. You may see it from, more from Sage than Jr. J.R.'s more the, you the know, conservative type, try to get to the finish and then race at the end. But uh, if he does get into the top half of the field, uh, I would not be surprised uh, one bit because he is underrated in being able to baby a car and get it to the finish and keep it in contention. That has always been his calling card. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to be leading a lot of laps, but he does get the results and the finishes. And like they say, if you want to win, you have to finish first. And J.R. Hildebrand follows that philosophy to a T.
2: Well, certainly uh, we were just talking about his uh, teammate, Sage Karam. Tyson Sage Karam in the Chevy number 24, 227.099, was his uh, fastest uh, four-lap average.
6: I'd say I've been a bit disappointed by the, the performance of Dryer and Reinbold uh, so far. Um, I expected, you know, I, obviously I wasn't expecting, you know, winning speed out of the scene, but I thought maybe they'd be closer to the, the top half of the field. And maybe that is partly uh, Chevy just being a little bit down on speed compared to the Hondas so far. Um, but I thought Dryer and Reinbold would have performed a little bit better. They've had a little bit more time to, to prepare this car. Um, we did see Sage out at uh, the Indy Road Course earlier uh, in the year. They didn't have a great showing there, but I, I really did expect them, them to be a bit further up the grid. I don't know uh, really what to expect out of Sage Karaman and J.R. Hildebrand um, going, into, uh, going into this race. Uh, Sage, as, uh, as Matt was alluding to, has a tendency to race a little bit aggressively, and he could put himself in a tough spot uh, but sometimes that aggressive works out. We saw Santino Ferrucci running really, really aggressively last year at the Indy 500 and it worked out for him. He was able to uh, gain a lot of spots and get away with a really good finish. I don't see that being uh, the same fortune for Sage Carim. I, I don't uh, expect a whole lot out of uh, Dryer and Rheingold, uh tomorrow.
2: Uh, Matt, let's talk a little bit about Max Chilton. Uh, we're starting in row 10 now, uh, 30th uh, position, in the, in the Chevy number 59, Max
5: Chilton, uh, four-lap average, 227.303. Well, keep in mind, Max Chilton has not won on an oval in over a year. Uh, he personally decided, you know, I'm fed up with the ovals. I'd rather focus on the road and the street circuit. So this car usually is driven by Connor Daly on the oval, other oval tracks. So uh, so he came in a little raw, and it's hard to say that for a guy that led more laps than anyone a few years ago at the Indy 500, but that's, that's the case here. And I think he's still a little bit shell-shocked about you know, the oval cracks and all that stuff, and uh, I think it showed why he is 30th on the starting grid for a Carlin team. I don't think he's at a crossroads right now. I don't know if this is a team that has a desire to be on the grid, In the foreseeable future, there was talk about them possibly liquidating assets at the start of the year. So uh, I think a lot rides on it. But unfortunately, I think with the way Chilton's been on ovals lately, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to deliver a top result uh, coming up tomorrow.
2: Dyson, road 10, starting 29th. Charlie Kimball, four-lap average, 227.758.
6: Well, Charlie Kimball is uh, starting the furthest back of the three A.J. Foyt cars. I don't expect him to stay there that long. I think he's going to have the, the best run of all three A.J. Foyt cars. I think he can get up there close to the top half of the, the field, uh, probably by mid middle of the race. I think uh, Kimball has shown a little bit more speed so far in practice than than his teammates, uh, Tony Kanaan and uh, uh, Dalton Kellett, also from Toronto, by the way. Um, I, I do think uh Kimball is gonna have a fairly good run. Um you know, probably a top ten, top fifteen uh kind of run tomorrow and maybe he'll uh maybe he'll even be able to better that performance.
2: Well, certainly a fan favorite is starting the twenty eighth in row ten. Elio Castan he's gonna be his last uh year with uh Pinsky. We know he won't be back uh with Penske, where he'll end up is still in question. Uh, but, Matt, Elio Castaneda's four-lap average in his number three uh, Penns oil car, uh,
5: 228.373.
2: is What's his four-lap average?
5: Well, let's correct something right away. Roger Penske admitted after the fact, after we had reported that, that he still is open to running Elio at Indy if that worst came to worst. So that it's not that they've completely broken free it's just the sports car program just won't be back next year so he won't be a part of that but there's possibility it could be back in the penske car for 2021 in indy uh it's just been a struggle and i gotta say uh tom uh, for a guy that's won this race three times and been such a popular driver it was really painful to see how much he was struggling i mean you don't think of elio being the 28th best driver uh in any race that he enters
2: Tyson, uh we're in row nine now, uh, starting 27, James Davidson, four-lap average, 228, uh, 7.47, in a Honda 51. Now, I tell you what, I was really kind of in the, disappointed with the qualification level of uh, James Davidson. I really thought he was going to do a lot better on qualifying day.
6: I think he was also a little bit disappointed. They've shown um, some early speed in some of the practice sessions. This is kind of uh, I think James Davison, even though he is starting way back in the field here, he's kind of one of the most interesting stories of the, the Indy 500. Uh, some people might not agree with that, but you got a guy who's running, you know, part-time NASCAR Cup schedule and, and now juggling uh, an Indy 500 run. And with an odd array of teams, you know, you got Dale Coyne, uh, the Ballardi team, the Bird team, and, and Rick Ware Racing, a Cup team that is uh, – you know, in the back of the field every week that have all teamed up to run this car. It's, it's kind of an interesting and cool story. So I'm I'm hoping we see James Davison put on a good performance. We have seen him run well at Indy in the past, you know, a couple of years ago when he was subbing in for the injured Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, He was in contention until a late wreck took him out of that race. So Davison could show some speed here and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can, if he can kind of bring back that, early practice speed. Uh, he did give up a, a, a day of practice last week to go run that cup race at Daytona, which maybe didn't end up being the wisest decision. He didn't run as well as he hoped to run uh, only finishing 30th in that race. I think he thought he could have competed for a top 10. Um, so, you know, that losing that one day of practice, maybe that hurt Davison, but I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs uh, tomorrow. Cause it is kind of the one, one of the interesting stories that we have here going into the race tomorrow.
2: Matthew, Fernando Alonso and the Chevy number 66. We saw some uh, sparks of greatness in practice and uh, pre-qualifying, but uh, still he's starting kind of in in the middle of the pack there. Uh, Row nine, Fernando Alonso um, uh, starting 26, four-lap average
5: 228.768. Fernando, again, he had the crash on Thursday uh, really hasn't recovered from it Just bail- got into the field uh, Well off the pace His two rookie teammates And qualifying Still has a good chance I think to have a decent run If he stays within You know the parameters of the car Because I think in race trim He looked pretty decent But uh, yeah Unfortunately I know a lot of The international fans Are hoping that he could Challenge for a victory uh, Coming up tomorrow But I just don't see a scenario Where he realistically Has a chance to win this race
2: Oh, I'm sorry, man. I thought you were thought you were going to say something else. Uh, uh, Tyson, de- defending Indianapolis 500 winner. Maybe he's got that 500 hangover, but Simon.
6: Yeah. You know, I, I do think Pagano has a bit of a, a, an Indy 500 hangover. He hasn't um, shown as much speed, you know, this, this week as we've seen um, from him last year, for sure. Pagano was the class of the field by far in the Indy 500 last year. And I do think he'll, he'll be able to make his way up through the field uh, as the day goes on. I think Pagano, to me, I expect him and, and Joseph Newgarden to kind of be the strongest of the team Penske guys for the, for the day tomorrow. Um, I do want to go back a, a quick second to Fernando Alonso. I think, uh, you know, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers here and, and pray he's overrated in an Indy car but I think we saw a great performance out of him when he ran the the fifth Andretti car in uh, 2017, I believe it was. 20, I believe it was 2017 that he ran the Indy 500. He had a great performance that year. And then, you know, he didn't show up in 2018. He showed up last year in uh, in the Aero McLaren car, and it did not go well. He didn't even make field. And then here, not showing a lot of speed, I think if you put a guy like Fernando Alonso who's a great race car driver in a great race car, he's going to have a good performance. You put him in a car on a track that he's not super comfortable with that is an ill-handling car, he's not going to run well. So seeing him this far back, not a big surprise.
2: Matt and I'm sorry guys I, I my my ears dropped out just a little bit so I didn't catch part of that but I'm I'm glad you guys kept going Matt we're, we're moving up to row number 8 uh 24th uh, starting position and Dalton Kelton in the Chevy 41 four lap average
5: uh, 228.880 Very interesting when he got this seat uh for 2020 uh didn't do much in the Indy Lights. I mean, he was competitive, but didn't necessarily have the race win to go with that. Uh, has kept his nose clean for the most part. Has stayed out of trouble. Stayed you know, in the positive side with the other drivers, and that's key. At this point, I think the best thing he could hope for at this point is to get to the finish. Maybe he's able to claim a top 20, but uh, again, uh, I think this is more of an exploratory effort for a guy that, uh, yes, has been in the lower level to start experience wise, but I still think he is a little bit raw in terms of being, you know, the kind of talent that you look for that say, well, this guy can advance, you know, his position, be a competitive force uh, down the road.
2: Tyson, uh, are you going to stick around with us or you got to go?
5: Yeah,
6: I can stick around for a little bit.
2: All right. Tyson. I- Tyson Lotziger, our IndyCar contributor from Canada. Uh, and t- Tony D. from the Tony D. Podcast. Tony Donahue from the Tony D. Podcast joins us as well. And we're going to take a quick uh, regroup break
1: and we'll be right back. Close your eyes and lower your ear to the yard of bricks at the finish line. And the Indy 500 awakens. Marching bands, a state's own anthem, and then a nation. Thirty-three open-wheel race cars lined up in eleven rows, idling, revving, waiting, and then the most famous starting call in all of American sports. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines! The building shudders as engines rumble. Spectators rise in full throat. The sounds are like nowhere else in sports. A heavy metal symphony of speed. For 200 laps in nearly three hours, drivers dive into turns and uncoil on straightaways. Tension is unrelenting. The whine of engines remorseless. Gasoline alley is the nerve center. Pit crews work in a blur. The finish comes in a flash of late afternoon color. Sometimes it is almost too close to fall. Checkered flags drop.
5: Simon Paginot sweeps him up the Mata-Mae And wins. He's base. made an Checkered Indy
1: One driver joins an exclusive club. A century's worth of racing legends. A life has changed. Memories are made. So keep your eyes closed now and see a champion roll into victory lane. See the trophy. See the milk. Feel the joy.
2: Here we are, Victoria man, we did it!
1: Keep your ear to the bricks and count the days until August 23rd, when the Brickyard roars to life again.
7: Derek Mullis and Anthony Espinoza say they snagged the perfect spot to watch the qualifier Sunday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
4: The race is still going on,
2: whether the people are there or not. We're just glad it's still going on. Yeah, That's the main thing.
7: They, like dozens of other fans, set up chairs or simply walked towards gate two to catch the action on the big screen, since COVID-19 restricted fans from being in the stands, something that didn't bother Mark Bollard. He drove five hours to IMS.
4: Yeah, it's not as fun, but it's guess what? To be able to be here, hear the cars, it's a little long way to go to travel to do that, but, you know, we haven't done much this year because everything's been closed, so
3: it wasn't that much of a big deal, so I'm just glad to be here.
4: And...
7: Even the smallest fans shared their disappointment without saying a word, but through this photo sent into Eyewitness News by Rob Botts. IMS President Doug Bowles responded by tweeting in part, Wish 2020 was different. We all miss fans and nothing makes me happier than kids at IMS. Some say they are disappointed they won't get to see their fellow fans in the stands. Because the people we sit by are from Ohio. Yeah, they're funny. (laughs) So they hold on to cherished memories of years past at IMS. When we got married, that was his first time coming.
3: 1970, yeah.
2: That's when they cars wrecked into the photographer's stand.
7: Many looking forward to next year.
2: We're just looking forward to making it through this one, and, and we know we'll be in there next time. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Our annual field of 33 a special is underway. Matthew Embry, WSBT, our official IndyCar contributor. Our IndyCar contributor from Canada, Tyson Lonslager, and joining us now, Tony Donahue of the Tony T. Podcast. Tony, I know that 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 track is a special place to you, and I know that we've spent a lot of time in the media center that, that, up there over the years. How different is it this year for you as a fan, but also as someone in the media that's used to kind of being in there and, and not and, and happened to be on the outside? And, and I went out there yesterday myself, and I tell you what, I had a, it was really a fascinating sight to see how many fans were out there. And I plan on being out there on one of the outside lots uh, for the 500 on uh, Sunday. But uh, Tony, what are your thoughts?
5: I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's just the era that we're living in. and That's where the world is right now. Yeah, it's stinks for all of us because, you know, it's one of the only sports where, yeah, yeah, basketball is cool to go see live and so is football. But when you go to a racetrack and you see cars going around at 230 miles an hour and you can hear and feel and smell, um, it kind of takes it away a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I get it. I understand it. I wish I was a little bit better on who they gave credentials to and who they didn't, but... Uh, with that being said, I totally understand and It's um, been doing my podcast from afar. I purchased the NBC Gold, So I've been able to watch every practice and um, you know, like I said, it's, it's a little bit different, but for the most part, everybody's dealing with it. And um, you know, the, the Kentucky Derby just announced no fans. So it's not like yeah. IMS and this motor speedway to 500 is the only major event going on in the next, let's say six weeks. That's not allowing fans. So it is what it is. You adjust, you put an asterisk next to your streak of consecutive 500s, and uh, hopefully uh, by May of 2021, I'll be back allowed into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well, and I haven't really heard yet,
2: and we'll probably have more information about this after the 500. But this October race, the way I understand it, is planning on going as planned with fans. Is that your
3: understanding?
5: I don't think that they, that they can have fans for that race, and here's why. Um, if you're not going to have fans, I mean, that, that race is only six weeks away. And, yeah, you can spread out a little bit more throughout the road course um, and, and social distance, so to speak. But if the Kentucky Derby in three weeks or two weeks is not having fans, I don't see how you can allow fans to come into the track because I feel like there would be a lot of scrutiny saying, well, if you're going to allow us in October for the Harvest Grand Prix, you should have moved the 500 back six weeks to have it in October and then allowed fans. So I really don't see um, a, a good chance of there being fans for that Harvest Grand Prix coming up in October.
2: Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, joins us, obviously, uh, followed IndyCar and, and and does his podcast with IndyCar and, and, uh, and other uh, topics as well around these sports. Uh, Tony, we left off with uh, Tony Kanan. <laughs> Ironically, Tony, Tony, uh, row eight, uh, starting in the 23rd position in his. Uh, uh, number fourteen. Obviously, we know that this is going to be his kind of his farewell tour.
5: Uh, four
2: lap average, two twenty nine point one five four.
5: Yeah, I honestly think that Tony is going to come back next year, and it may not be with Foyt, But I, but I think with this uh, supposedly being his last five hundred and doing it without the fans, Canon's uh, the type of guy that's going to look in the mirror and say that that's dunk. I want to do it with fans. Uh, and and you know somebody might not be A.J. Foyt, or it might be, but somebody out there will put him in a car because the name. It'll put eyes and new sponsors on the machine and go from there. So uh, I, I don't think this will be Kanaan's last 500. Does he have a shot to win tomorrow? I highly doubt it. But I think if you were to, to slide into the top ten, it would be a good day for the A.J. Foyt crew.
2: Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, WSVT up in South Bend. Matthew starting 22nd in row eight four-lap average of 229.701 in the Chevy number 12, and uh, the 5G Edge car this year kind of looking a little bit different,
5: but Will Power. Well, I think and I think Tony and uh, Ty can agree with me. There was just a angry bee in the bonnet for Will Power last Saturday. He is not used to qualifying this far back, and I just have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of aggression and a nothing-to-lose attitude from Will Power. Now, whether or not that leads him to something good or something bad, I can't say, but uh, it could be a very interesting day, and I think he will be one driver to watch as far as uh, trying to make his way uh, up through the field and trying to be a contender and try to salvage something out of what's not only been kind of a lackluster month for Will, but kind of a lackluster season since we've gotten back up and going uh, since the delay due to the pandemic.
2: Tyson, uh, Tyson Lonslager, our uh, IndyCar contributor from up in Canada. Tyson, we're moving up to row number seven, uh, 21st position. Oliver Askew, uh, four-lap average of 229.760 uh, in his Chevy number seven car there. Uh, with uh, I believe he's in the McLaren car as well. I could be wrong about that.
6: Yeah, L- Oliver Askew in the McLaren uh I'm not expecting a, too big of a performance out of him. I think he's had a good start to his rookie season so far in what is obviously a very odd rookie season. Uh, this Aero McLaren team, they haven't shown a whole lot of speed so far uh, throughout all of the practice sessions here at Indy, uh, you know, as we talked about a little bit with Fernando Alonso. and You have three fairly inexperienced drivers at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, at least in an Indy car uh, in Pottawa Ward. Uh, Askew and Fernando Alonso so uh, I think this is going to be a a bit of a tough race for the team as a whole Uh, as I said Oliver Askew has impressed me so far in his performance as a rookie but I don't see Indy uh, being uh, the you know a great race for him and I do think uh, he'll probably be outperformed by Padua Ward who does have a little bit more experience uh, in an Indy car at this track and in the series as a whole.
2: Tony, we're at row seven and twentieth position. Jack Harvey, uh, four lap average two twenty nine point eight six one in a Honda sixty.
8: Yeah,
5: I want to go back real quick to Matt's point if you don't mind about Will Power. i right kind here. of in the same boat as, as. I'm kind of in the same boat as Matt with that. You know, Will Power is a guy that you know, we saw it at Elkar Lake. He kind of drove and was driving through people. And I think we're going to see that at Will Power tomorrow. My question with Will is, is can he get through six to seven pitch stops flawlessly, which has been, seemed to be been his Achilles heel throughout his career. Um, to Jack Harvey. Yeah. Um, he's, he's actually had a quietly good year. He's been fast. He's run well. Um, he hasn't had the success at, at the Indianapolis motor speedway in the 500 that maybe he'd hope for. Um, but a lot of information, a lot of data going into that number 60 car with the, with the connection with Andretti. Uh, Michael Shank is a guy that um, is going to do his best to get Jack Harvey to IndyCar full-time, if not next year, then in 2022. Obviously, COVID kind of pushed things back. But, but, but for Jack Harvey, a good, consistent day, um, stay out of trouble. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a top ten. I think he's a contender to win tomorrow, no.
2: Matthew, row uh, 7, 19th position, Santonio Ferrucci, four-lap average, 229.924. He's also in the Honda, the number 18.
5: Another guy that was disappointed in qualifying. I think he thought he should be up with where Pelot ended up, his rookie teammate. Uh, the question is, though, I think the aggression may eventually catch up to him here. I think that's the one concern I have. It didn't catch up to him last year. and is able to claim Rookie of the Year honors. But I just think uh, sooner or later, uh, his, uh, he's going to try one time too many, and that may cost him. And uh, keep in mind, uh, even though it's a different driver, this is the same car that uh, caused the uh, melee with Sebastian Bordet at the wheel last year and uh, really a uh, a few feathers. So I'm sure there's no love lost in that situation either.
2: Tyson, we move up to row six. and starting in the 18th position. Uh, local boy, Connor Daly, and uh, for our local boy, and this being his home track, it hasn't been the nicest uh, to Connor Daly in years uh, past. But Connor Daly and the U.S. Air Force car uh, Chevy 47 there in the four lap average of 229.955.
6: I think Connor Daly is someone you got to look out for tomorrow. He's shown uh, some pretty decent speed so far. You know, he obviously didn't qualify where he'd like to, but I think Daly is showing uh, good speed. He's been pretty fast and, we don't normally think Connor Daly as, uh, as an oval driver. You know, he tends to perform better on the road and street courses. But uh, I think this is kind of the place where, where he could run quite well. And he is in an Ed Carpenter car where, uh, you know, obviously the Chevys haven't been as strong as what we would like to see out of them. Um, but I do think this could be a, a good race for Connor Daly. He could be a, a, an underdog that you have to watch out for it. at the end of the race. You know, maybe running in that top five, and maybe he could steal a podium. I don't know if it's going to be a winning Indy 500 for Connor Daly, but that would be quite the story.
2: And fun fact about Connor Daly if you did not know this, Connor Daly is the stepson of Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tony, let's talk about row six and. Seven, starting 17th, Zach Beach, four lap average
5: 229.961 in a Honda number 26
2: in a Gamebridge car. Yeah,
5: I'll go back to what Matt said with Santino Ferrucci yesterday. Um, he was all over the place. So uh, Santino is going to be that, whatever you want to call him, but he's going to be somebody you want to watch because he's going to be making daring moves. And I know a lot of people in the paddock yesterday. Um, we're not specifically pleased with the way Santino was running that last quali- or that last practice session. One of those people being Zach Veach, as Santino dive bombed him going into turn number three late into the corner. Zach Veach found some consistency in his car yesterday. He said it's his it's the best car he's had at Indy. Solid top ten would be nice. Um, and and back to the Connor Daly point. I have talked to Connor every day this week. He's confident um, and he knows. Look, if we don't have something early, we've got five to six pit stops to work on it i've got to get to lap 180 and be able to race it out because anything can happen over that last 20 laps so uh zach veach you know it's one of those things where people are are looking at him and say hey you've got that game bridge sponsorship but but the results just simply haven't been there um he was fast at texas at the beginning of the season i think he ended up inside of the top 10 after qualifying up front um i think a good solid day for zach veach would be a top 10 well, I tell you what—if
2: he—if he wins in that Gamebridge car, and it's the Gamebridge uh, uh, namesake for the race, that'll be a big story, that's for sure. Matt Ed Carpenter's in the uh, starting sixteenth row six um, in the Chevy number twenty. His four lap average
5: was two thirty point two one one. Well, you know, you 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 know, if you're expecting me to say that my boy's got a chance to win this. I just don't see it. Uh, I mean. And it's not you know, I don't want to anger all the Indianapolis fans listening, but I just I'm starting to wonder if he's past the prime of his career at this point because it just seemed like there's a non lack the attitude that's just followed him throughout the week, you know, it's just kind of you know, ho hum, all the efforts there. So and that's part of the reason why I mean he could still probably get a top ten, but I think Play. You talked about the ECR trio As far as who has the best chance to win the race I'd have to say right now That probably their best chance is on Connor Daly At this point, It's not Ed Carpenter
4: uh,
2: Tyson, I'm sorry I lost my place there I apologize Because I almost spilled coffee on me I was, was more
5: concerned about getting
2: burned, man
5: <laughs> Well, I can, <laughs> I can add to that I can add to that real quick, Tom I, I think with Ed it, it, it's kind of uh, now or never, you know, you, you've got uh-huh. this, the big sponsorship. U S air force came on that, that, that was a connection to us space force. Um, you know, you've got Rena that's fast. I think the Chevy is going to be a lot better in race trim and be able to stretch the fuel a little bit, a little bit further than what Honda is, which is different than what we've seen in the past, especially last year. You know, Ross, he said, Hey, we lost the race. Cause we just, we got beat by horsepower down the straightaways. Um, I think with Ed, is simply this. He's had some decent success the last couple of years. Six last year, second two years ago when he qualified on the poll. Ed, after qualifying on the poll in 2018, decided, look, I'm sick of being called the poll winner. I want to be called an Indy 500 winner. And the reason why Connor and Ed are starting mid-package, because they really didn't work on that much qualifying sim. They kind of put that on Renus and said, all right. Then they took set setup and said, here's what we could do. We know he's fast. And they spent a lot of that Friday practice last Friday really dialing in the race car before switching it over to qualifying trim. So I think Ann and Connor are going to race together up towards the front, and uh, I think they're both going to be in contention uh, towards the end of the race tomorrow.
2: Well, I hope Ed does really well. I mean, certainly he's did well as far as being able to get on the pole in the past. So, you know, root for a lo- local boy uh, as well. And If he could just stay out of the way of James Hinchcliffe. Uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't go there, though. That was a few years ago. But uh, Tyson, let's talk a little bit about we haven't had a chance to talk with you. I know Matt and I have talked about this in shows past. But the new look, the new feel, the new arrow screen, uh, just everything that, that, that uh, it really does. Really can't. When they're on the track, I, I just noticed this. You just can't really tell that much of a difference what, that they do have that screen on it. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how the car looks a little bit different, and this is going to be a different setup uh, for teams for the Indianapolis 500. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Tyson?
6: Yeah, I personally like the aero screen, and I think you have some people that, um, you know, you, you either have the camp that you're uh, on in favor of it or you don't like it. Um, and I'm in favor of it. It keeps the drivers safer. I think it has kind of a slick design. It looks, you know, it almost looks a little bit futuristic in a way. Uh, and it really, it doesn't affect the racing itself. Um, so I'm in favor of it. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how how the, the aero screen looks in race trim uh, during the Indianapolis 500 because we haven't obviously seen that quite yet. You know, we did see uh, the aero trim at the, well, I mean, here are the aero screen uh, at uh, Texas Motor Speedway on the Oval, and it, it didn't affect the racing uh, in any way. So, I mean, I, I'm all for it. It keeps the driver safe, and that's what we really need to do. That is the, the priority here.
2: Tyson, we're in row five. is at the 15th starting position. The other McLaren car, the fastest guy in car day yesterday, paddle award in this number five Chevy, and his four-lap average was 230.213.
6: Pato's had a really uh, a good year so far, you know, obviously almost getting the win in the second Road America race. And, you know, obviously Felix Rosenquist, who, who will be the next guy that we get to, overtook him and, and probably had the, the better race car that day. But Pato has run really strong all season, you know, fairly consistent within that top five to ten range, maybe a little bit closer to the back half of the top ten. I don't expect a winning performance out of Pato Award here at, um, at, at Indy. You know, I think he'll maybe stay kind of where he is. He also, I think, what's going to be really important for Pato is just having a clean race, making it to the end of the race, and, and not making too many aggressive moves early on. Just people look at these young drivers like O'Board, like Oliver Askew, and they're going to expect mistakes out of them. And I think what's going to be really important is just keep it clean Keep it on track, and just have a good, solid day.
2: Tony Felix Rosencraft, uh certainly has had a great fast season. Uh, the other car of Chip Canassi, is, uh, his partner, the Iceman, almost got the pole. Uh, Felix Rosencraft in the Honda number 10, uh, four-lap average, 230.354.
5: Yeah, this is an interesting road, especially off of, uh, you know, what was just mentioned with Tato with Award, Seemed to find something. Him and uh, – he was fastest yesterday. Oliver Askew in the fifth. So, even his teammate, uh, his rookie, – both rookies uh, found something. I like Felix. Um, talked to him last week. He didn't have his best showing at the 500 last year, but but he really made – really made strides on the on the oval. We saw that in Texas. Um, I don't know what it is, but since Dario left that 10 car, it just seems jinx at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I don't know if that's uh, a real – situation or not uh Felix you know he, he's so far down on the points which is crazy because he has a win but with the, with the DNF at Texas even though he was up there um uh, you're obviously not points racing tomorrow you want the win I, I don't I don't think Felix is going to win but I, I feel like he consistently keeps keep himself in the top 10 and, and finish inside So when we move on
2: down to uh, the 13th starting position, let's hope this is not an unlucky number for him, Matt, but in the Chevy number one, four-lap average, uh, 230.96, Joseph Newgarden in his shell car with Penske. Well,
5: I would say right now that this is Chevrolet's best hope. Uh, He is hungry. He's the only Penske driver right now that has not won this race. You know, that's going to be on his mind. He has a determination. He would think the bench last year just didn't have enough to keep with Pagno and Ross late. Uh, I think the key, though, for Joseph is the first 50 laps. If he is making progress, he's in the top 10 within the first 50 laps, I would say watch out. If he's not, though, uh, it a very long day for him and I'd say the rest of the pension keep right now. because I think all the hopes at this point, unless something changes where Power and Pagno find a to get there, a strategy or some luck on their end. I think right now the whole thing is like, totally uh, Joseph Newgarden's at uh, um, the top. we move up to
2: row number four. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's talk a little bit about some of the who might be the day makers and the day wreckers uh, in, in tomorrow's race.
6: Well, I, I mean, I'll say I think, you know, we look at it, I, I want to go back to Matt's point first. I, I think Joseph Newgarden he is probably. The, the team Penske that I'm looking at as most likely to have a good performance. And I think Simon Pagno also will probably make his way up through the field, even though he is starting way back. But move, looking at this row, I think uh, row four is kind of an interesting row. You've got Spencer Piggott, who I always look at every year as a guy who is really fast. You know, whether he's, you know, racing here for Ray Hall Letterman in the years past, he's been with Ed Carpenter racing. I always have him kind of as my underdog guy that I think could maybe pull off a a, a win or a podium if things go the right way. I think this year, uh, maybe not quite the same. I I don't think aside from qualifying day that, that I think Spencer Piggott is going to um, really be up there contending at the end of the day for a win. But I think Piggott, obviously he's looking to get back into full-time IndyCar racing And I'm I'm hopeful for him that he can at least have a good, strong showing uh, throughout the day to to really get his name noticed again. Um, Because I do think this is a a young American driver who deserves to be racing full time in this series. I know he didn't get a win in his couple of years with Ed Carpenter, but I think he is one of the the bright. uh, He has a bright future and one of the young stars of the IndyCar series.
8: Me. Uh hey, you're
2: up here. Let's Oh, I'm sorry, we didn't we didn't cover I let's go back we'll go back to the Plants. we did not cover Spencer Piggott Uh
5: in, in, in the twelfth
6: uh, edition, on the number forty five. Uh sorry, uh Tom, I, I was saying before, I think Spencer Pigot again is it's one of these really uh, strong young American drivers who I think will have a good showing tomorrow, but, uh, you know, he's looking to get back in this series full-time. So uh, I think that the young driver will be hopeful that he can have a good showing um, to maybe put himself back in contention to get a full-time ride again in uh, 2021. Tony,
2: we move on over to you. Row number four uh, in the Honda number eight, Marcus Erickson, uh, four-lap average, 230.566. What's we'll say you and the Husky uh, chocolate
5: bar there. Yeah, Marcus Erickson has been very consistent throughout the entire uh, short season here. Uh, I think he's been inside the top ten on every race. He's been very fast, and he's one of my dark horses that I picked on my podcast. He made a big mistake last year on pit road. It cost him probably a shot to be inside of the top ten um, he's fast, he's smooth and he's consistent. Uh, and that's really what 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 you have to be to have a good run at the five hundred. So I, I expect Marcus Erickson to maybe not contend, but he's certainly my dark horse for a top five. Back to the team Penske. Um, for me Joseph Newgarden is just meh. He just hasn't had the greatest of successes at the Indianapolis five hundred. He was in contention to probably finish second when Rossi stole the show and he ended up third, but other than that. You know, Newgarden's just that guy that gets you in between a 5th and a 10th place finish, it seems like. I think that Pagino is going to play some strategy, maybe short pit, come in early, um, and, and work his way up to the yellows, knowing that we're probably going to see 5 to 6 yellows in that first 100 laps. Uh, so so my best hope for Penske is Simon Pagino, even though he's starting so far back. Um, but we'll see what Joseph Newgarden can do, because he's just, to me, been meh at the Annapolis 500. So if he's going to change that, he's going to have to get up
2: there and contend for the win and lead some laps. Matt, uh, row uh, row four, starting 10th, Colton Herta, fan favorite there in the Honda number 88.
5: I tell you what, I love that Tony's opinion on this. I think we have seen a much more mature and focused Colton Herta than we did last year, and that's a good thing. I mean, yes, he's not in the top half of the the fast nine, etc., but He's not making the over-aggressive moves. He's not making, you know, the moves. You're thinking, what is he thinking, all that kind of stuff. I think he's now looking to only help him when we get to tomorrow. I think he realizes, I don't need to be super aggressive all the time. I can play play conservative. I know I have a car capable of running up front. And uh, you talk about a true dark horse pick uh, for tomorrow's race. Uh, If Dixon doesn't win... I would not be surprised if Colton heard and may pick up the pieces. This is our
2: annual Field of 33 special. We've been talking with Max Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, Tyson Lonsliger, our IndyCar contributor from north of the border there in Canada, Tony Donahue at the Tony D Podcast, and Matt Hicks is going to join us here in just a moment. Uh, Tony and Tyson, are you guys going to stick around for another half hour? you got to go. I can stick around for yeah. a little bit. I can stick around for a little bit as well. Great, fantastic. We're going to finish up our uh, field of 33 with Matt Hicks uh, right back when we get back, right here on the other side.
5: All right, we have been waiting months for this day. Indy car drivers finally back at the track getting ready for the Indy 500. As you know, there are a lot of changes this year, from no fans to social distancing requirements to keep all the drivers and teams healthy and safe. And our Dave Calabro has been there for it all.
1: Oh, the sweet sounds of race cars once again at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's not May, it's August, but it still feels and looks a little bit like the Indianapolis 500. Here's Taylor Tannenbaum and more.
0: Well, Dave, we all know that old saying, better late than never. It was pretty much made for this moment. It is definitely not May. The heat is certainly an indicator of that, but 2020 is all about adjusting to that new normal, right? And out here at the track, that new normal is a race month without race fans
4: little bittersweet, right? It's good to get cars on track, continue to move forward to the 104th running.
0: Golf carts and fast cars, tires and drivers. It almost looked like a regular Indianapolis 500 practice day, except for this. No fans to see it. Normally there would be thousands of people watching the drivers turn their first laps, but not this year.
6: Mixed fitting. It's, it's amazing to be back here and looking at the Pagoda, it's uh, for a race car driver. Is uh, every day you want to live every day like this? But uh, certainly quiet. Um, but uh, you know, so glad to be racing. So glad that we can display this amazing car around this uh, mythical place.
0: Not only will fans miss the racing, they'll miss seeing the new renovations and additions to the track. This place got quite the facelift since Roger Penske took over from new flags to fresh paint to restroom renovations and concession stand upgrades. Don't worry, those infamous troughs inside the men's bathroom, they do still exist. I didn't see so for myself, but I do trust my sources. One of the biggest changes, and I mean big, is the video board that now hangs above Pagoda Plaza. It's 104 feet by 20 feet. In other words, it's six Indy cars across And four of me stacked tall.
4: Little things that just make the place pop and look a lot better, a lot cleaner, a lot younger. You could smell the paint. You could smell the paint everywhere. It's amazing. Roger is really putting a lot of effort into making this event even more special than it is. And uh, I just feel blessed that we're in this uh, era of the sports. Um,
6: I feel sad a bit for him because it's uh, obviously a huge huge investment,
5: personal uh, and also financially. So uh, hopefully we can give the best uh, best show we can uh, this week. Go fast and turn left. That's what it's all about on the west side. I'm Dave Calabro. Coming up at 6 o'clock, we'll talk to A.J. Foyt,
1: who thought he'd seen everything at the Speedway. That's at 6 o'clock. We'll see you then. So strange. I tell you what, uh, thanks to
2: WTHR and Dave Calabro and Taylor Tannenbaum uh, for that that piece there. Certainly a local uh, NBC affiliate here. Dave Calabro also is the the voice of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, he doesn't. He's not as good as uh, as Carney, but nobody can be. Joining us now is Matthew Hicks. Matthew, you're no stranger to the track either. Uh, different look, different feel. Uh, talk with us a little bit about some of the storylines. Uh, not only is there no fans, but Marco Andretti's on the pole and, and really kind of pushed out Scott Dixon there. And and I know that uh, you're you're used to being out there and seeing fans and. I tell you why I, I, I showed this with you offline. I was out there yesterday and just an amazing sight to see the fans out there. Matthew Hicks, kind of a different feel, but the Indianapolis 500 is here.
8: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's going to um, be one of those interesting things to see how this 500 is remembered historically as we get 5, 10, 15, and 25 years away uh, from it. Uh, because that's exactly right. It's in August. Um, It's, it's obviously no fans. There's, there's all these wild storylines and, oh yeah. And Andretti is once again on the pole. Can he win from pole? I mean, if there's ever a year a guy is going to win from the pole with the wind screens and the potential uh, liability and, and maybe uh, tough, tough uh, circumstances to pass on track with it being hot hotter than normal than may um boy you'd like to think that if somebody can win from pole this might be the year to do it it's happened before obviously but it's been a while um so yeah i i don't know i I, it, it there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack this year isn't there
2: well, it certainly is, and we'll let you uh, uh, help us pick back up in row number three, starting the ninth, ninth position. Obviously, former uh, Indianapolis 500 champion. One is a rookie uh, with Andretti. Alexander Rossi, four lap average, two twenty nine point two three four. There was a lot of rumor mill circling around whether or not he would even be with Andretti this year, uh, but he he is, and certainly starting uh, there in uh, row three,
8: number nine. Oh yeah, I mean, I think he's in that. I don't know how big your group is. Uh, Mine's probably somewhere in the at least nine, if not 10 to 12 guys that, I mean, have every opportunity to win tomorrow. I think he's in that group. Um, He has the Honda Power. That seems to be a clear advantage this year. What will be interesting to see as the race progresses, if Chevys have some sort of few mileage advantage, which they may. Uh, It sounds like they will. Um, But it's it's going to be really interesting to see how much these hondas separate themselves again the big question mark is what is passing going to be like and uh, you want to be towards the front i think in this one especially more than normal and uh, yeah i think he's in that group uh, of guys that could easily win this race
2: Matthew Embry, WSBT up of South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. We're in row three in the eighth starting position, and that's Graham Rahal, four-lap average, 229.380. Certainly one of my favorites. I love what he does for the military, uh, and he's certainly in the United Reynolds Honda, uh,
5: number 15. Graham Ray Hall, what say you, sir? Uh, you know, obviously he's had the success of Texas and California. Unfortunately, just hasn't translated to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, the question with Ram Rahal that I have is if he is in contention late is he going to be willing to show the aggression necessary to get all the way to the top and that's been one thing uh, that from the times I've seen Graham that I'm a little bit concerned about is is he going to be willing to go the extra mile when necessary to get to that upper rung and until I'm proved otherwise, I just don't think he's going to be capable of getting all the way there uh, if he is in contention late.
2: Tyson, uh, row three, starting seventh, Alex Palo, uh four-lap average, 229.676. He's in the Honda 55, and he is a rookie this year.
6: Yeah, and Alex Palau could be uh, the Santino Ferrucci of this year. You know, he's really exciting to watch, uh, to see such a, a young driver running so well, Uh, early in his career, driving for Dale Coyne as well. Um, He's obviously still learning these ovals, doesn't have a lot of oval track experience, and, you know, obviously Texas would have been the best place for him to learn, and he got taken out early in a wreck there. So, uh, I I don't expect Pallu to maybe have the the performance that Santino Ferrucci had last year where he was contending uh, in the top ten and making all those big aggressive moves. I don't think... uh, He'll also make a lot of aggressive moves because I think he's going to want to learn about this car, how it's going to run on this track. But he has shown a lot of speed here so far uh, during the practice sessions, obviously qualifying within the fast nine. Uh, it was a really big deal for him and for this team. I'm looking forward to see what Palu does, uh, not only um, in this race, but going forward the rest of the year. I really like him. I think he's a breath of fresh air for uh, IndyCar.
2: Well, we're so glad to have our annual 33 special. This is a one time a year where we dedicate everything to IndyCar racing. Uh, in the last half hour, uh, Steve Wilson's editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, and my and myself and Matthew will break down the double header going on uh, this weekend, Dover in NASCAR, and then of course the Indianapolis 500 as well. We'll get his thoughts on that. Tony D for the Tony D Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast joins us. Tony, we talked a little bit about uh, James at the beginning of the show with Tyson, uh, obviously a fellow Canadian there, but I tell you what, he is a fan favorite, and you and I know how approachable he is and how fun he is. And, you know, and a lot of people thought for a long time he was the face of IndyCar and the, and the face of the new generation, and just certainly the, the stories and the history that he has here at the track. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, uh, Tony, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts? His four-lap average was... Uh, two twenty nine point eight seven uh certainly in a limited ride, but he is back at the Indianapolis five hundred. Oh, hold on, Tony.
1: Huh.
2: Try, try he's to certainly get a Tony household here. name I had your, your mic muted. Sorry, go right ahead. Start over. He, <laughs> Sorry.
5: He, he's he's certainly a household name uh, for a lot of people because of his his fame on Dancing with the Stars, and he's a great personality for the series. He's a great personality for the sport. It uh, seems like he obviously already has one foot stepping into the booth, and, and this is a big chance for him back with Andretti, um, where he had most of his success over his career there in the in the mid-2010s. Um, do I think he's going to win the race? No, it's so hard for a one-off team to do that, even though he's with Andretti and even though he's – racing multiple times uh, this season. Um, James is just not somebody that I can can see contending for a win tomorrow when it comes to the Indianapolis 500. Solid top 10, stay consistent, uh, have good pit stops, yes, uh, but to win, absolutely not.
2: Matthew Hicks obviously been around local media, radio here in Indianapolis for a long time. Former uh, uh, pit uh, reporter there for the uh, IndyCar and for the uh, for the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Uh, Matthew Hicks, just give us your preview of the one hundred and fourth running Indianapolis Five Hundred without fans. Uh, what what can what can we look for? What should
8: we be looking at? Uh, boy, it's. Um you know, I'm I, I'm I'm with Tony on that. You know, I just think the one-offs are going to have such a real struggle. And 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 when we say one-offs, I think we do expand that into the guys that are running maybe three and four races or a partial schedule. So that I, I I'm I'm with him on that. I think it's just going to be so tough this year, especially without. I mean, really, it's been. I mean, the schedule's been so condensed; um, they've just not had a lot of seat time. So, it's going to be a really tough thing. So, I think you're going to, you're going to in that regard, see a series regular tomorrow. Um, we'll okay. take the check checkers flag. Barring out rain, yes. of course. Now, that's still a possibility, and that could mess everything Never up. Never say that um,
2: word,
8: Matt. Well, you know, that's, that's what we're dealing with tomorrow. I think, it's, I think we, we've got to at least have an idea that that's possible. Really hard to bet against Scott Dixon at this point. I mean, goodness gracious, what a, what a um, season this guy's had what a career this guy's had. And I, uh, you know, you of course desperately know he wants to win a second 500. Uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, barring out the favorite who's clearly Scott Dixon. I think there's an interesting batch of, of group of people in that next group, um, of people that can win the race. I think Marco Andretti's in that group. He's had top fives there. He does know how to finish the race. He's obviously got a rocket ship. Um, he's got the Honda power. I think you look at um, Ray Hall, Lan- Lanigan, Letterman Racing, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing as well with Sato and Graham Ray Hall. I I, I think he's in that group. Uh, but then also too, Ryan hunter ray is a guy starting fifth, won the race before, knows how to finish, and that's what it's going to be all about tomorrow. That's that's where I really, uh, you know, like you you look at you know Palou and Kay and, and guys like that that yes have have speed clearly have speed and have the the proper amount of fearlessness in this race i just i really question are they going to try because again passing potentially could be at a premium tomorrow are they going to try to make moves that don't work out and and you know god forbid there's an accident but just even more so if you are going to go in deep to a turn trying to make a pass and you can't make it you're going to lose multiple positions because you're going to lose all your momentum so i think I don't know. I, I you always try to guess these things. Like, what's going to be the headline? You know, is it going to be, you know, is it going to be Marco Andretti? Is it going to be a, a, a repeat winner? Is it going to be a first time winner? Like, you know, like maybe Ray Hall or even Colton Herta. I think is a is in that group of of guys that might be able to challenge for a win. It's uh, it's going to be a, a great race. We know that. But what is going to be a, a side story that I'm going to watch from the green flag on is what are the Chevys going to do? to try to make this a race because you know they are and you know roger penske doesn't have a, is going into this with a game plan of some sort to get their guys up front whether it be through strategy or through fuel mileage you know it, it'll, it'll be interesting that's i think that's the sidebar you know we all just kind of assume with the straight line speed the hondas have that they're the, they're the odds on favorites and that's probably true but i'm sure chevy has something for race day
2: so uh, let's uh, go on, Matt. Let's talk a little bit about row two, starting fifth, Ryan hunter Ray. Um What are your thoughts?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, here's a guy right. I think that – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: There's two Mats on here. I should have clarified. I meant to say Matthew Embry. I'm sorry. We have two Mats. You're, you're now known as Matt two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew yeah, Embry, go right
5: like, ahead, sir. Uh, Ryan hunter Ray is always a contender. Uh, a couple of years though he didn't have the car, and that's why he wasn't competitive, but I think he will be a contender uh you know laying the going. I just don't know though if he is the biggest threat Andretti truly has. I still think if you're talking about threats from the Andretti camp, I think the more likely options are Alexander Rossi and or Colton Herta.
2: so um Tyson, uh we're, we're starting row two, uh, we're finishing up row 2. Uh starting fourth, Arenas, the the gay, uh he's also a rookie. Uh four lap average 230.704 in the Chevy number 21,
6: Tyson. Arenas VK has shown uh, quite a bit of speed so far um, uh in this weekend, but uh, I I don't know if I see, you know, Arenas VK being up here at the end of the day. You know, we look at a, a young rookie and This track doesn't always favor rookies. I think it does help to have quite a bit of experience at Indianapolis and it's uh, been nice to see him have a nice qualifying speed. Uh, We were talking a little bit before how uh, uh, Connor Daly and Ed Carpenter are starting so much further back, but I I really do think that is by design. They they gave VK the qualifying setup and Daly and Ed Carpenter have been in race setup uh, most of uh, the practice sessions we've been in so far. So, I don't know if I expect Renas VK to be up front uh, all day. I think he's going to be one of those guys that maybe by lap 50, lap 60 could be further back down in the field, you know, maybe running 10th to 12th. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a good learning experience to be running uh, mid-pack. Uh, you don't always learn a lot running up front. And this is a guy who's probably going to be in uh, – or will hopefully be an Indy car um, for the long haul, at least uh, for the next few years. Um, so, Reno K, he's going to be a contender um, throughout his career for sure. I don't see him being a contender tomorrow in the Indianapolis 500.
2: Well, we've been. Uh, this is our field of thirty-three. We've been joined by some of the best expert minds around uh, to help us break down I- IndyCar, and uh, that's Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, WSBT up in South Bend. Tyson Lautenschlager our IndyCar contributor from up in Canada. Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast, and Matt, Matt Hicks. So let's just kinda of work around around the table here and we'll start with you, Tony. Uh you, you obviously have a great podcast and I encourage everyone to go listen to the Tony D podcast. But Tony, you, you you do a lot with IndyCar, but you also do a lot with Vegas. So combine the the IndyCar and the and the uh one hundred and fourth running. Uh what are your what are your Vegas uh
5: preview uh for the one hundred and fourth running? Yeah, I mentioned this on my podcast yesterday. Um I've got five drivers on there to bet, five drivers to fade, and then three dark horses. Uh, my drivers to fade and not touch when it comes to a betting. Our willpower, James Hinchcliffe, Marco Andretti. I'm fading as well. Um, did not like what I saw yesterday out of his car in practice. Yes, it would be huge for the series to see Marco win. It would be on every headline throughout the uh, throughout the country. But I just don't see that see it happening. Um, I think Honda's best bolt is Alexander Rossi. Uh, you could put Colton Hurd in there as well. We just to see if Ryan hunter Ray can stay consistent throughout the day. Um, as far as Renus VK and what was just discussed, uh, m- my thoughts with Renus is this: is like, look, that team is there, ready to win. They they they've had so much, so close success with Spencer Pigot since Joseph Newgarden left. Um, they're ready to go. I, I think it Carpenter Racing is going to be a contender tomorrow. Um, obviously, Renus had the better qualifying car. But look for Connor and Ed to make their way up. I don't think Renus is going to win the race necessarily, but I do think it's, he, he can contend for Rookie of the Year along with Alex Palu. Um, and, and as far as the rookies go, too, uh, this is as evil of a, of, a, of, an even of a level playing field as you're going to have when it comes to racing Indianapolis 500 because this aero screen is new to everybody. Um, there's going to be no fans there. So we talk, I mean, every, every year ABC used to open up their broadcast by saying, Oh well, there's gray stands all month long, and then you show up on a race morning and it's colorful and people are here. Well, you don't have that this year. You don't have to worry about that this year. So it's going to be the same as what you're already used to, and you just got to stay patient. And, that, and that's you look at the drivers that have won this race. They've stayed patient over 500 miles. Juan Pablo Montoya was, was left for dead after Simona de Silvestro ran into the back of back of him in 2015. He came back and won. Alexander Rossi. We obviously saw the struggles with him. Back in 2016, he won. Sato had some trouble in 17. Yeah, I know it was easier to pass then, and there was more passing. But you've got to stay patient, get to the end, and stay up front throughout the entire day to have a chance of tomorrow.
2: So – uh and Matt, you might know this, or Tony, you might know this, because I don't know this, but we're local. I've been looking at some of the things that are going to be the same. The flyover is going to be the same. There will be no balloons. There will be no band from Purdue. My question, if one of you two know this, are they still
5: going to sound off the cannon? Yeah. Do when of you guys know <laughs> that? I don't think so. I, I think with such a later start time, uh, for the first time, and from what I can remember, and maybe Matt Hicks can remember, uh, I mean, at 2.30 start time, 2.30 green fly, you're going to let these guys sleep in. There's no need for them to be up at 6 a.m. Hell, they're going to have a hard enough time sleeping tonight anyway, especially the rookies. Maybe you still do a cannon blast, but hopefully it's not until 8 or 8.30 when it's necessary because uh, you know that always signaled that the gates were open and fans were allowed in. Well, right. obviously we won't have that tomorrow, so I don't think we're going to hear a cannon blast go off at 6 a.m. And for the driver's sake, because they're all staying – and their motorhomes this weekend, even though a lot of the drivers that live in Indianapolis went home throughout the week and last weekend to sleep in their own bed. Um, hopefully they get a little extra sleep by not having to uh, be woken up at 6 a.m. Uh, by that cannon blast. Well, well,
2: Matt, and you know how how special that cannon blast is. It just gives you it just gives you uh, uh, goosebumps. And if you're local, or can be around the track and certainly do it responsibly and don't be irresponsible. Uh, but do it responsibly and and get out there to the track. I plan on get, even though I don't need to be there that early, I'm going to get there early, probably about eight or so, and I'm going to set up uh, kind of a little base camp tailgate in in the in one of the outside lots there. Um, socially distance and be able to to watch on the TV, mute it and listen to the IndyCar Radio Network.
5: Um
2: Matt, what 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 are your thoughts? What are your race day uh, activities going to be tomorrow?
1: Well, after you know all the
2: stuff I have, I actually no, I'm have sorry, to spend- I'm sorry, Matt. Matt, I meant Matt Hicks. I apologize.
8: My fault. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt Hicks. <laughs>
3: um,
8: I live about nine miles away. So, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to uh, uh, turn the TV on and um, uh, probably go back and forth a little bit, you know, uh, listen to television a little bit, but also have the radio on outside and do a little grilling. And, um, yeah, just enjoy the day and and, uh, see who is going to be um, the most, let's use the word again, unprecedented winner of the Indianapolis 500 ever. Because, you know, who, who knew six months ago if we would even have a race? Here we are. It's going to happen tomorrow. There'll be no fans. It's, it's going to be the most interesting and, yes, odd Indianapolis 500 we've ever had. And I, I, somebody asked me this yesterday. Will, you know, will there be an asterisk or will there be a, a, a note? Uh, there might be a note, you know, ran in August or something like that. But I, I think what that driver accomplishes tomorrow is nothing less than what the other drivers before him have accomplished, and and they'll they'll belong on that Board Warner Trophy um, in the same space that those drivers are in, and I think that's what's the coolest thing about it. Yeah, it's six months later down the road, uh, it's going to be hotter. There's going to be no fans. It's going to be it's going to be strange, but at the end, it's it's man and machine and crew. Uh, trying, to, trying to tackle 500 miles faster than 32 other people. And uh, that's what's going to be the most exciting thing about it is um, those drivers want to win that race tomorrow more than anything in the world, and that's what's going to make it great. And uh, thankfully, uh, here, if you live locally, we'll get to watch it on television, which is, which is nice to be able to see the pictures live while you're uh, comforted by the dulcimer yeah. tones of Mark James and the rest of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network that's right absolutely and don't forget jake query as well uh but i tell, I tell right. you what
2: you know, non-racing aside going to the track with me tomorrow is a, a bunch of rise and roll bakeries now matthew hicks i know you live in avon with me
8: that have you been there yet i i must admit i i have not i went to okay we're gonna get we're gonna plug donut shops i went to carl's donuts this morning and it is phenomenal
2: I have not been there, but I tell you what, I for years, I and I still stand by that that Longs is the best
8: donut. But I'm going to tell well, you what I, I can't. I, I got to tell you then, Tom. If you like Longs, you've got to go to Carl's. There's okay. there's some connections there that I don't you know that I don't know that you know exactly what what you're supposed to <laughs> say and, and know, but, but there's some connections between Longs and Carl's, and it's it's really okay. good. Okay. 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 Sounds good. Well,
2: Rising roll is, is uh, ran by the Amish people from up in uh, Mishawaka. They're not even open on Sunday, so I had to go get the, the donuts today. They've got the best brown and sugar brown glazed donut ever. Any which way, um. we'll move on past donuts. Uh, uh, we'll start with Matthew Embry. Uh, Matthew, what we want to do is just get a quick preview, and let, we're going to break down row number one uh, so we can wrap this up. And we'll start uh, with you, Matthew, and uh, Tamoza to, Tomo- Soto. Um, starting third and just give us a quick preview of the race, uh,
5: from your eyes, Matt Embry could be a threat. If he can keep his nose clean, uh, you look at Dixon, he's got to be the favorite and Marco. Uh, I think it's one of those things where if you are as good as the car is, you need to show it. And I think right now I'm still, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I'm still skeptical as to whether or not he can be there. Uh, as far as BK goes, uh, the only comparable rookie that's in this position was Carlos Munoz, who started second in his first ever 500-mile race in 2013, and he managed to stay up there and finish second, but I think he had a much better car than BK will have access to. So while Munoz is able to stay up and be a contender in 2013, I just don't see BK being able to do it in 2020. And I think it's eventually going to come down to a battle where Scott sure. Dixon's going to have to hold off uh, – Rossi and possibly Colton Herta and Ryan Hunter right at the end, I believe Scott Dixon is going to become the second driver and have the second longest spread between victories 12 years as opposed to Juan Montoya's 15 years from 20, 2000 to 2015. I think we're going to have a two-time winner coming up tomorrow, and that's going to be Scott Dixon.
2: Well, real quickly before we get our picks, we're just going to go around the horn and let everybody give us your thoughts on row one. Sato, Dixon, and Marco Andretti. And we'll start with you, Tyson.
6: Yeah, I think we're all on the same page here. These are three uh, really good drivers that are that are going to be starting up front here in the Indy 500. Takuma Sato is one of my favorite drivers to watch uh, just because he is really exciting as a, as a driver. He makes those aggressive moves. You know, you look back at, uh, at the year that Dario won the Indy 500. Uh, uh, I can't remember which year this was. I think it was 2013 that Taku – you know, made that dive bomb move going into turn one on the, uh, on the last lap. And it, you thought maybe just maybe it was going to stick, and it didn't. But Takuma Sato never is afraid to make those daring moves to go for a win. And that's why he's so exciting to watch. He is a past Indy 500 winner. I don't know if, uh, if he's going to do it again, but the, the Rayho Letterman cars, they do have decent speed. Um, so Takuma Sato is going to be someone that you have to watch. Uh, Scott Dixon, I think he is the favorite. You know, he won this race back in 2008. He is a multi-time IndyCar champion, and it's it's kind of amazing looking back at it that he's only won this race once. Uh, I think Dixon is going to be the guy that, that everybody's going to be looking at that they have to beat tomorrow. Uh, and Marco Andretti, uh, it would I, – I don't see the Andretti curse breaking this year, um, but, God, it would be, uh, it'd be something if the Andretti curse does break this year uh, at a race that's run without fans. It would definitely be a different thing to see, uh, but I don't think Mark Andretti is going to have the year that he he wins the uh, Indy 500. You know, we talked about it earlier in the show. He doesn't have the the conditioning as far as contending for wins on a, a weekly basis or a, on a race-by-race race basis. We see Marco runs well uh, and, and runs and contends for the win maybe once a year. And I don't think that's enough to be an Indy 500 champion. I really just don't.
2: Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Uh, What what are your thoughts on on row one before we get into our picks?
5: Yeah, we'll start with the poll winner. I mean, Marco Andretti, I told you guys earlier, he's a fade for me. Um, I can't remember, honestly, the last time Marco was in contention for a win really anywhere. He hasn't won since 2011. That was at Iowa. It might have been 2010. I think it was 2011. Um, I just, as, as cool as it would be, like we talked about, to see the curse lifted, and I think Mario would be just as ecstatic. I just don't see it happening for Marco. Obviously, Dixon's the favorite um, to win. Everybody's going to pick him. Um, but, again, as Matt mentioned, I think the, the, as amazing as Scott Dixon is, the craziest stat of his career is the fact that he's won for 18 at the 500. Um, and then Sato. Sato, we know, is a guy that can get it done as long as he keeps it pointing in the right direction which we saw in 2017. I like Sato. He's going to be fast. I think he leads that first lap with the preferred line going into one. Um, but I don't know if this is going out on the limb, but I'm going to say that the winner does not come from row one for the first time in two years, three years, because remember last year, Pagano from the pole power from second, the year before, then we we were in that stretch of guys that were, that were, uh, you know, qualifying outside of the top nine and mid pack and, um, I think that the winner tomorrow will not come from row number one.
2: Matt Hicks, row number one, what say you?
5: Yeah,
8: I think I think you're uh Tony's Tony's probably right. I mean, the reality of it is, is it is it's like twofold. Yeah, any of those three guys could win. I'm just not sure they will. I mean, you know, the insane amount of luck it takes to win this race is is crazy. I mean, you know, Pit stop issues, uh, pit exit issues that aren't even your fault. Uh, you know, a guy spins in front of you in the pits. Where do you go? You know, that sort of thing. Um, the yellows will be interesting tomorrow if we see any. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll have a couple. But, but you know, frequency and timing, of course, will, will uh, go a long way to um, determine strategy. And that's where I think you might see one of these Chevy drivers um, peek in to, to the – to the conversation of winning this race, and I, I, thats why I still—I still don't rule any of them out. You know, you, you talk about Ed Carpenter or any of the Penske drivers. Um, I, I just—I just don't think you can rule any of those guys completely out. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick a driver from the front row, obviously it would be Scott Dixon. I mean, let's let's be honest, this guy's on a tear. But it's a long day tomorrow, and and just crap happens. I mean, there's no other way around it. Marco would be such a great story. He does he does seem to be able to run this race well when he's got a car. Now there's been times where he's not really had a car and yesterday does concern me, you know, with Marco, with, with, yeah, we don't know what they were doing. I mean, they may have been running, you know, they may have been sandbagging, which would be surprising with the lack of practice time, but they, they could have been doing a lot of different things, but regardless, they were down, they were down the chart quite a bit. Um, so that concerns me a bit I, I still think he can win this race and I think Sato can win the race and I think Dixon can win the race but I mean I'm, yeah I mean I think if you're if you're going to hold my feet to a far, fire with a pick I'm, I'm going to go off the board a little bit and uh, gosh I think he's he's a 20 to one shot uh, I'm going to go with Graham Ray Hall who's not in the front row <laughs> So here we go guys moment
2: moment of truth <laughs> All right, we're going to get our official picks for bragging rights, and we'll get it all up on social media, and we'll make sure that uh, we blast whoever the winner is and the loser is uh, as far as the pick goes. We've got our first pick in, and that is by Matt Hicks and Graham Rahal. Matthew Embry, you're up. What? Who is your
5: pick? You know, I've tried hard, every way possible, Tom, um, to vote against Scott Dixon, and Scott Dixon just won't let me do it. I mean, i I got to take Scott Dixon. But if Tony D's right and say someone doesn't win from the front row, I think the guy that you have to pick is the guy that's had the best race and hasn't won the last two years. He has to be awarded sometime. That's got to be Alexander Rossi. But based on that, I gotta go with Scott Dixon. I gotta go with the chalk here.
2: Okay, Tyson, who is your pick for the 104th
6: running? Well, it's not often you pick a guy that's. Uh, starting way back in row nine but i'm going to go with simon pagino you know we we've been talking all show about how the hondas are way faster but i do think uh, pagino can play the strategy game he's going to go back to back he's going to win his second Indy 500 and he's going to do it from all the way
5: back in row nine
2: tony donahue who is your official pick
5: yeah, I think, uh, as we've talked about, it's it's so important to get to lap 180 because it seems like in the last 20 laps there's a caution that kind of resets the field. There's that last restart, and you've got to be in that first five five positions to be able to pounce and make a move. And, and, and we saw that last year with Rossi and Pagino going back and forth. Uh, Sato made his way up there as well. You've got to be good on restarts, which um, my sentimental pick is every year is Ed Carpenter, but Ed just isn't um, – great on the restarts. I mean, that's the bottom line. He had a chance to beat Will Power on a restart late in 2018, and he didn't. Um, He lost some positions last year on that final restart. I think he went from fourth into finishing sixth. Um, I love Dixon as well. I love Pagano as well. I think tomorrow, in the last 20 laps, we're talking about Dixon, Pagino, and Rossi shooting for the finish. Um, My winner tomorrow, for the second time in his career, somebody who's never finished outside of the top ten at Indy, somebody who is what I like to call Damian Lillard mode and go into killer mode and can be aggressive and fast at the same time as Alexander Rossi. So I'll pick him to win his second 500 tomorrow.
2: Well, guys, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Alexander Rossi comes to my mind. That's who I want to say, but that is not who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with my... I'm going to vote because I'm a fan. I'm going to vote with my passion for this particular driver and what a feel-good story it would be. So... Because of this, because of my passion for this person, I'm going with James Hinchcliffe coming out of row number two, number twenty-nine. Hitchtown, do not let me down. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> Steve Wilson of Sweetwater Digest is, is is going to be stepping in here, guys. Uh, we'll go around the horn here. Uh, Matthew Embry, I know you're staying on, but uh, Tyson, where can people find your work in masterpieces, sir? Yeah, you can always follow me on
6: Twitter at Lock 23 uh, And, you know, just as a, a final thought here, I think one thing we didn't talk about enough is how big a factor heat is going to play tomorrow. We've never seen this race run in August. It's going to be run in the middle of the afternoon, you know, green flag uh, at around 2.30. And we have the, the aero screen in effect for the first time in the Indy 500. I think the one effect that it will have is we're going to see less airflow. These drivers, you know, it's going to be hot. So whoever has the, the strength and conditioning down pat the best is probably going to be uh, the drivers that will be running up front throughout, the rest, uh, throughout most of the day.
2: Okay. I thought you were going to say something else, so I apologize. Tyson, we do appreciate you joining us, and you're always welcome anytime, sir.
6: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
2: Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir?
5: Yeah, Tony D. We'll on t- to- Sorry
2: about that. Go ahead.
5: Tony D. Indy on Twitter. Uh, got a great podcast this week. Mar- Mario Andretti joined me. Green is VK. Connor Daly. Scott Dixon um, joined me as well as Derek Daly and Tice Carlson. So, got plenty of good conversations there. Looking forward to tomorrow. And uh, if Ed Carpenter does win, I've already told him I will have a bottle of buttermilk outside the gates for him to come chug with me. So, so look for that if Ed, right. if Ed does get it done tomorrow. Matt, thanks,
2: Tyson. I mean, thanks, uh, uh, Tony. You have yourself a good weekend, sir. You too. Take care. Matt Hicks, working people, find your working masterpieces, sir.
8: Well, uh, much like Tony Donahue, I'm a free agent. But uh, I'm on Twitter, and I occasionally share my thoughts there, at HicksM05. Um, uh, but that's about it right now, you know. That's And that's okay. Um, it's been uh, – It's been a different perspective going back to being a fan again. It's been enjoyable in some regards, but I do miss being around the track. Though that's that's that was a just a blast for all those years of being able to uh, get credentialed and be around and uh, see those storylines play out in such close proximity and and be able to tell people about them. So I do miss that. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, but that's, yeah, M 5 on Twitter, and it's, it's going to be, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed for a beautiful day tomorrow. It's beautiful right now, um, so hopefully that'll, that'll hold into tomorrow as well. Yes, sir. All right, sir, you have yourself a good race weekend. You too. Thanks.
2: Matt Hicks joins us, and uh, we've got Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Our official NASCAR contributor and Matthew Embry still on with us. We'll be back to break down doubleheader, if you will, Dover and some more Indianapolis 500 uh, talk before we wrap it up and put it on the ball. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
3: Hi, this is a good one, kind of groovy.
1: your eyes, and lower your ear to the yard of bricks at the finish line, and the Indy 500 awakens. Marching bands, a state's own anthem, and then a nation's. 33 open-wheel race cars lined up in 11 rows, idling, revving, waiting, and then the most famous starting call in all of American sports. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines! The building shudders as engines rumble, spectators rise in full throat. The sounds are like nowhere else in sports. A heavy metal symphony of speed. For 200 laps in nearly three hours, Drivers dive into turns and uncoil on straightaways. Tension is unrelenting. The whined of engines remorseless. Gasoline alley is the nerve center. Pit crews work in a blur. The finish comes in a flash of late afternoon color. Sometimes it is almost too close to call, while so checkered flags drop.
5: Simon Pagino sweeps
7: the and wins. Home, He's baby. made an
5: Indy flag.
1: Flag. One driver joins an exclusive club, a century's worth of racing legends. A life is changed, memories are made. So keep your eyes closed now and see a champion roll into Victory Lane. See the trophy. See the milk. Feel the joy.
2: Here we are in Victory Lane, man, we did it!
1: Keep your ear to the bricks and count the days until August twenty third, when the brickyard roars to life again. All
2: right, and welcome back to the balance final quarter of the show. Our annual Field of Thirty Three special has been going on all morning long, uh, thanks to our our uh, cast of experts that have been joining us and, and helping us break down. But joining us now. Is our official NASCAR contributor Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, and also Matthew Embry still with us? Our official IndyCar contributor, uh, Steve. Let's get into this. We got a full weekend of racing. Uh, we've got Xfinity, we've got um, NASCAR at Dover, and we've got the Indianapolis uh, 500. So, uh, how's things going? And are we ready for a weekend of some great races?
9: Yeah, I think it's pretty packed this weekend with everything going on: two cup races, two Xenia races, and the Indy 500. I think it's going to be a lot of overlapping, and uh, I think we'll get a lot of interest over there on the IndyCar side tomorrow uh, with this uh, delayed 500.
2: Yeah, Matthew. uh, What are your thoughts here about? Give us some uh, uh, thoughts on some NASCAR talk. Uh, Any questions you've got uh, for uh, Steve regarding
5: uh, Dover and certainly the races that are going to be going on there this weekend? Well, I tell you what, Steve. I mean, you talk about the Monster Mile, and a lot of crazy stuff happens there. Maybe not as crazy as Indy, possibly on Sunday, if you can believe that, but. uh, I tell you what, uh, very interesting. You got to show some patience at this track, Steve. As we've seen over the years, when you crash at Dover, you hit the wall and you hit it hard.
9: Yeah, that's true. Things um, seem to break loose there pretty quickly, and uh, coming off a turn two there, the, the track the track itself just seems to just uh, narrow up such to such a great degree, along with the loads that are put on these cars, so. Um, Yeah, you you can get stacked up pretty quickly there, and we've seen uh, a dozen plus cars get tied up in in just in that area alone. But uh, there's some very, very hard impacts at this place with those wide, banked, steep, wide, uh, wide, and very banked corners out there that allow them to just really carry a lot of speed into those corners. So. Uh, Miles is uh, pretty pretty hungry. He's been waiting there for a while for for some race cars to come around that racetrack, and uh, I think true to its form, we're going to see um, some torn up race cars. But you know, you got to remember that these drivers, whatever car they field today, they're going to have to field that car again tomorrow. So yeah, you know, they're going to have to be a little tiptoeing going on around today because you don't want to go to the back tomorrow.
2: So today, to start things off today, we've got, uh, coming up at 12.30 on NBC Sports from uh, Dover, is the Xfinity race, uh, the uh, Dry Green uh, 200. Uh, Austin Cedric, uh, Gregson Jones, Burton, and Al Goddard all round out uh, the top five of, of today's race. What say you, Steve? Um, you know,
9: the Xfinity series this year has become pretty interesting. We've we've, we've seen uh you know, we've seen some of the the drivers take up the uh, last year um, that we really. I mean, we talked about them a little bit, uh, but we just really had that big three that moved on to cup this year. So some of those drivers that we had talked about last year, uh, a little bit here and there, like Algar and things like that, seem to be coming to the front of the the pack this year. So, um, you know, we we've got a new crop of drivers out there that are that are trying to make a name for themselves, just as they always do, and with the Xfinity Series coming into Dover this weekend. It's um, just like the tough series. Both of them, uh, you know, I already mentioned the fact that they're going to have to carry their cars over into tomorrow, but, you know, Dover's also a place, even with the Xfinity Series, that they chew up tires pretty quickly on that concrete. So, you know, that's, that's where we see um, some of the more veteran drivers that have been around this place, um, and especially with no practice, no qualifying, and they're just going to roll these things off the truck. It's, it's going to play in the favor. Of uh, you know, or Chase Briscoe or all guy or somebody like that that's been around Dover before, and uh, I really do think that you know, with, with uh, Chase Briscoe and Austin Hendrick, those two seem to be uh, battling it out at the top of this thing. Um, you know, between their respective uh, teams, and you know, Ford is pretty it seems to be pretty happy with the two of them out there with the way that they're uh, battling this thing out, and putting a lot of, uh, of you know, brand recognition, you know, as far as what they've been able to accomplish this year, knowing that there's only two or three Fords that are even fielded in the Xfinity series. So they've got to be happy with what they're seeing from um, Chase Burst going and Austin Sendrick this year, um, you know, especially uh, just after last week, uh, the winning on the road course out there for them. So they carry a lot of, uh, they're carrying, they're carrying a, lot of, uh, a lot of that weight for Ford this year, and especially trying to get Ford back into not only just victory lane on a more consistent basis in the extended years, but also trying contend for a championship.
2: Matthew, uh, if, as we look at the, this afternoon's race, uh, NASCAR race in Dover, uh, what are some of the storylines you're looking for? And do you have any questions for Steve regarding this race? And what are, what are you looking at in this race down in Dover?
5: You talk about Austin Sendrick, Steve. Uh, what about Sendrick? But I still think a lot of people still think him or classify him as a road ringer. You seem to think that he has now started to show the versatility uh, that he could be competitive not just on the road courses but the ovals. Is that a something that you're seeing maybe that some other people aren't seeing from a, an Austin Sendrick to this point?
9: Well, I think that last year, also, Cedric just got, you know, he just got a lot of it from a lot of different angles onto the fact of, you know, who his dad is and, you know, why he sits in that car today. And, um, you know, we, we tend to always look at, uh, you know, we always tend to look at this and say, oh, well, this guy just bought the seat, or this guy knows somebody, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, Austin seemed to get a little bit of that himself. And, I mean, he had a lot of a rocky start, too, with his uh, being in, in the car for for uh, Penske. And, you know, thought so a lot of people just continue to say, well, you know, why is this guy in the car? Why, why? you know, he, he's only there because of who his dad is. If it was anybody else, they would have been out the car by now. Um, and, and, you know, I guess that criticism is, is always leveled upon, again, a lot of people that go out there and buy their rides and uh, who their dads are or who somebody may be that they may be representative of the sport in the past. But um, I think he's, uh, I think, I think you know, as Roger Penske sometimes sits you down and, you know, tells you, uh, you know, what you need to do to stay in that car, I think, you know, he's kind of sat, you know, Austin and down, or at least in my impression that he's, or somebody over there at Penske has sat off the center down and, and, and kind of explained to him how how the program works and if you want to stay in the car, this is what you need to do. And I think we've we've seen that this year, where he has been more consistent. We we you know we you know we we see more out of him this year um, with five wins um, this year. I mean that's pretty impressive. I mean he, he won two two times last year. Um, ended up like six or seven, eight, something like that in points, whatever it is. But, you know, we're not even halfway through the year, and he's already got five wins under him. So, you know, he seems to be running more consistently. He seems to, um, you know, whatever 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 they have sat him down over there at Penske and said, hey, look, you know, this is what needs to happen. Uh, it, it seems to be that he's uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, he he has won. Uh, what did he win Middle High or something like that? Also, I think this year. Um, but yeah, I mean he won at Kentucky. Well, he won back to back at Kentucky. I mean he's won at uh, Texas and um, you know Daytona Road Course last year. So I mean he's he's winning at, at, at different styles of racetracks, and I, I think that's you know him you know becoming more comfortable with the car this year. And also just the fact of, you know, just, you know, the the program over at Penske, which is, you know, like I said, I in in my belief, I just think that, uh, you know, somebody has sat him down and just said, look, you need to, um, you know, you just need to do what you need to do. And, you know, if, if you want to stay in the car, this is going to be.
2: Matthew, let's, let's move on over to the Indianapolis 500, the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, we've been talking all day long about the, the, the uh, field of 33, uh, Steve. Uh, Matthew, uh, what, what kind of um, uh, information can we look at as far as a dark horse, as far as, you know, who's going to be first out, who's going to be uh, the, 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 the most laps led? What are your thoughts on
5: those? unfortunately, first out, I think it's going to be Ben Hanley. They've had nothing but electronic issues with that car. They haven't been able to get many extended laps. So, unfortunately, as much of a hurricane effort as it took to get that car into the field to ensure a full field, I just don't think Hanley's going to last long. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of pace setting from Scott Dixon. I think you'll see a lot of pace setting from Takuma Sato. But I think in the end, uh, it's going to come down to a battle, like I mentioned just before we went to break, between Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, and maybe Hunter Ray and Colton Hurta for the win. And I just think Scott Dixon's just going to be too strong at the end uh, for the Andretti guys. Even though they went one, two, three, four in qualifying in the pre-qualifying round, I just don't think they're going to have enough to be able to overcome uh, the power of Scott Dixon and Ganassi. And let's just face that as a strong team with Scott Dixon, Mike Hall, Chris Simmons, etc. on that uh, warm wagon, that is just a very tough team to beat, especially in 500 mile races like the Indy 500.
2: So, uh, Matthew, let's talk a little bit about the Indy 500. I, obviously, it's in August. A little bit. I, I mean, not Matthew. I'm sorry, Steve. It's uh, it's uh, uh, in August. It's not in May. I mean, that that in itself is completely different. And I think I shared. I know I shared with you offline. I was out there yesterday and just to see the sight of thousands of people out of the track just shows you how special this. Uh, this race is. If you're looking at this race tomorrow at the Indianapolis 500, or what are some of the things you think that? Well, well what are you looking at as as just as a, a race fan in, in general? What are you looking at as far as the IndyCar 500 tomorrow?
9: Well, I was listening to you guys a little bit earlier on This arrow screen that they're going to implement there or, or have implemented this year in IndyCar, and um, you know the. Typically, in the past, these Indy cars, you know, they've had this bubble around them where the airflow not necessarily runs into the cockpit, but, I mean, you've had more uh, unrestricted flow of air into the cockpit, so, you know, they've been able to pull the drivers down a little bit more, whereas stock cars are in sealed vehicles for three and a half, four hours, and, you know, 125 to 135 plus temperatures sometimes, and they can even exceed that during the summertime, so... Uh, you know, IndyCar is, is finally getting a taste of what stock car drivers have had to deal with for years. And not only just distance, but heat concerns too. And uh, with less airflow uh, and a restricted airflow into that cockpit, um, I, I doubt that we're going to see the 135 degree plus temperatures that we see in stock cars and NASCAR during, you know, August and September and you near know, part other parts of the summer. But, you know, it'll be a heat contention issue that they're going to have to deal with over 500 miles there at Indy. So, uh, uh, you know, as a takeaway from that, um, I, I I think that, you know, some of these drivers, and I, I'm sure the vast majority of them have a, a, a regimen that they go through as far as training, as far as uh, hydration and things like that, but, um, they may, you know, they may even start being, looking into things like cool suits and things like that that NASCAR drivers have used for years to kind of cool themselves down, as well as the fact is, uh, I think, you know, with, with maybe the advancement as far as that's concerned is, is that, uh, you know, just, just a driver that, you know, may have the physical stamina, uh, to, to withstand a 500-mile race there may not have the stamina to withstand a 500-mile race there where... They have less restricted airflow into the cockpit, which can increase body temperatures and the heat issues that they have to deal with. Especially in August, and um, you know, during May, it's already hot enough in Indy that you know it's it's blistering up there too. So I mean, um, I, I think it would be interesting to see how, how that all works out in 500 miles around Indy. And you know, if I have another takeaway from that, is is that Um, You know, if there's drivers in NASCAR that that decide that they say, hey, you know, I might want to go run the Indy 500 these days, um, they may check that box off and say, hey, well, you know, I don't have a problem with the fact that, you know, I have little to, um, you know, less or restricted airflow into the cockpit because I already deal with that for 500 miles at, at, say, at Darlington or 600 miles at at Charlotte and things like that. So, you know, they, they may be already checking that box off and say, hey, you know, maybe I can compete with these guys.
2: Matthew, do we see a sign of Jimmy Johnson in 2021 at the Indianapolis 500?
1: You're cutting out, Matthew. We
5: can't can't hear you, man. He wants to run the, you know, street circuits. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think he's going to do a full schedule. Maybe he gets uh, shot at an Indy 500 if he's in a competitive car. But – for him to be a full-timer, no. I don't think he's going to be a full-timer. I would think the best scenario is, you know, a majority of the road and street circuits and maybe the Indy 500 included on that, but I would say right now 50-50 if he would run Indy at this point for Steve, 2021. Steve,
2: same question. What are your thoughts about Jimmy Johnson coming to IndyCar in 2021?
9: Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to agree with uh, Matt there that but... You know, yeah, I think Jim Johnson wants to run any car, and I think I've seen numbers thrown out there as as many as uh, a dozen events or something like that that he, he's looking at that he'd like to run any uh, car. But um, as far as full time, no. Uh, as far as the Indy 500, I think it's anything that he'll probably concentrate on that first, um, and then go from there. So, tomorrow
2: is the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. It is my personal Christmas time, even though it happened in August and not in May. Looking so forward uh, to being out there and being among the fans tomorrow at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Steve, a moment of truth now. Uh, You heard everybody else's picks. Who is your official pick for the winner of the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500?
9: Um. I'm going to go with Takuma Sato, uh, pulling it off.
2: Okay, so Takuma Sato, uh, and then we'll have uh, Melissa's uh, pick up there as well, and we'll get it all up there on, on social media as well. Uh, Steve, where can people
9: find your working masterpieces, sir? You follow us at Seaway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Seaway and All right, Steve,
2: have yourself a good race weekend, sir. I know
9: you'll be busy. Thanks a lot. lot. Take
2: care. All right, Matthew, we're wrapping it up. We're putting a bow on it. I tell you what, what a great show it was today. Every year we do this uh, field of 33.
5: I'm going to give the final word of wisdom to you. Uh,
2: What say you, sir?
5: I think uh, Tony D and Matt Hicks said the track's going to be slick. Passing's going to be a premium. I think the restarts are going to mean something. And like I said, I just don't think uh, like a guy like Ned Carpenter is going to be the guy. I know the hometown heroes aren't going to like me for saying that. But I just, uh, like I said, I think as much as I'd love to pick me Scott Dixon, he can't do it. He won't let me do it. And like I said, if someone's going to stop him, I think Rossi's the guy to do it. I mean, he's had the best drive, and hasn't won the last two years, maybe third time's a charm for him. But uh, I'd still have to go and put my money behind Scott Dixon to be a two-time winner after all is said and done uh, tomorrow. And uh, like we said, uh, let's cross uh, we can get this whole race in uh, that uh, the fans get what they – even though they're not going to be in the stands, hopefully they do get a 500-mile race tomorrow.
3: Absolutely.
2: Looking forward to, to being out there. Matthew, I appreciate you, and, and I, I hope that you have a good race weekend, and uh, and uh, we'll see how the, the picks turn out.
5: We'll see it. I'll be watching and can't wait to talk to you next week to review it.
2: All right, buddy. Have
5: yourself a good day.
8: You too.
2: Matthew Embry, our, our co host today for the Field of 33. Uh, this is something we do every single year on the, uh, uh, typically uh, in May, but uh, the Saturday before the Indianapolis uh, 500. Well, I want thank everybody that jumped on board with us today. Matthew Embry, WSVT Open uh, South Bend. Uh, Tyson Lautenschlager, our IndyCar contributor from Canada, certainly give us a a, a, a different look at different things. And also uh, Tony Donahue who the Tony D podcast. Check that out. It's an awesome podcast. Uh, Tony D uh, uh, at Tony D. And we'll get that information up on social media. And also Matt Hicks. And, and Matt Hicks has been around local media for a, a long time. It's been a great show, guys. I tell you what, if, if you can get out to the track tomorrow, get out there. Find you a spot to camp out. Do it responsibly. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.